Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. This episode is presented by Wellspire, Nashville's Learning and Development Center. Wellspire offers personal and professional development opportunities in a beautiful facility in the Gulch neighborhood. Stop by for an event with world-renowned speakers or host an off-site event that will wow your team or your clients. We also thank our co-presenting sponsor, The Well Coffee House, which turns coffee into water and has a mission to bring clean water to the world. Our news is presented by Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you've been injured in an accident. Call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Well, no new news. Everybody's still waiting on Romello White. He is the Arizona State transfer who is considering Vanderbilt after he entered the transfer portal. White averaged a little bit over 10 points and almost nine rebounds last year at Arizona State. The guest line is presented by Bowling Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. Had no clue what I was missing in Bowling Branch sheets until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them for a month. You can return them for free, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlinBranch.com, that's spelled B-O-L-L, into the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. He is on with us every week. My friend, thank you for joining us today on this wintry spring day. Chris, it is my absolute pleasure. You know it's supposed to get down to 39 here tonight? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, can I swear it was May 6th? Yeah, but I'll take that over a 78-mile-an-hour winds. How about that? It feels like it should be Vanderbilt baseball weather. I've always said this for 10, 12 years running, that if you ever want to know if Vanderbilt's got a home schedule or a home series for the coming weekend, just check the forecast, and if the temperature suddenly drops 20 or 30 degrees or there's a lot of rain, that means they'll be at home. So I can't explain it anymore. Yeah. I did. By the way, did you see that video I told you to look at about the dudes on the roof when that storm blew through Nashville the other day? No, I've thought about it, but I haven't checked it. But tell people what you looked at. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure most people have seen it by now, but it was that uh, it was the Sunday storms. I think it was, and some cats were working on a roof there around Nashville. Uh, they didn't have the shingles on yet, and that storm crept up on them. And they're up there near 80 mile an hour winds of the two story house look like uh, on top of the roof at the top of the roof right there. And I, I think one of them jumped down a little space uh, that they had, but uh, the other one I think was able to like hold on during all of that with boards flying all over the place. Um, I'd have died of a heart attack. It wouldn't forget the weather or falling or getting struck by something. I'd have died of a heart attack. It was unbelievable. You get a chance to check that video out. I'm watching it right now. I just pulled it up on my phone. Holy cow. These guys are lying flat on the right. roof, just holding on for dear life. Yeah, that's uh that, that that would haunt me the rest of my life. <laughs> I probably I'd never get on a, the roof of a house again. I don't care if I own a roofing company. I'd be done, Jack. That was crazy. I'm glad they made it out. And it's raining so hard. Somebody is shooting this from an adjacent house. It's raining so hard that at one point you can barely see the house or the guys, which it, it starts out very clear, but the rain and the wind are so much that you can't see. 
Yeah, fortunately, they were near the apex of the house because they, they grabbed on, I guess, to the crown or whatever you call it and, like I said, held on for dear life. But other than that, I think if you're just on the the part where there's nothing to grab, I don't know how they stayed on the roof. All right. I'm hoping everybody that uh, that is listening to this podcast that they're okay and, and that, that, that all their family is as well. Yeah, we did not get hit here. We just lost some very small limbs, but other people lost big trees and all sorts of stuff. It has been a wild year. A little bit. I, you know, I was pretty hyped up about 2020, to be honest with you, but uh, it has not really worked out so far. 2020 is going to go down is one of the worst years of our lifetime. I, I, I certainly hope so, <laughs> Chris. I, I, I certainly we, we hope have problems so. if not. <laughs> yeah, you got that right, man. So uh, let's do this. Let's talk about a little black and gold, man. Well, not much to talk. There's Romilla White. I've discussed that on a podcast or two. Your thoughts on that one, yeah. if it happens, which, uh, which I have some concerns podcast, that will happen. I will never start off a show or a podcast by saying there's not much to talk about. Uh, the Romello White thing uh, is very interesting, Chris. Uh, I would really, really love to see this happen. Romello's what, about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, uh, powerful dude inside. He's not a 2010 guy or anything like that. But I, it's like I told you the other day, this cat comes in, if they get him, and, and this cat comes in and gives this team 13 and 10. Man, you know, protects the rim a little bit and gets on those boards. Man. I mean, that would, that would be so, so valuable. I even asked Chris a hypothetical yeah, when we were talking about it the other day. I said, uh, if you could have one person on the roster next year, Saban Lee or Romello White, who would it be? Now, I mean, look, logically, it's Saban Lee. I mean, Saban could go for 20, 30 points any night he wanted to. Uh, I, I just think, and I think the answer is Saban, Chris, but, you know, just the thing about Romello is, I mean, I think he gives us something we simply just don't have. You know, now, I mean, we don't have a score, the likes of Saban, a guy who can create his own shot, a guy who can get to the bucket. Uh, it, it, we we do in Scotty, uh, but we I feel a little bit better per, about our perimeter game, especially when you throw in Tyron Lawrence coming in next year. Uh, I know he's a freshman. I get all that. But in the post, I mean, I just – you know, look, I, f- I feel good about uh, Cleavon coming back, uh, but I just, I, I just don't have a whole lot of faith in in our post game on both ends of the court, and I think that Romello could go a long way in fixing that. Oh, you say he's the guy that? Uh, how are you phrased it? That they he's a guy that a lot of teams don't have. I mean, there's not a lot of guys with his skill set to go around anymore. Right. And that's why I think Romello White might be the right answer to that question. You know, sentimentally, I, I would want Saban. And, you know, like I said, I, I know that Saban can hit for 20, 30 points when he needs to, uh, you know. But we got to have somebody like that. There's no fear in the, in, in, in the, in the paint of Vanderbilt right now. There's not any. And we need to have that. We need to have, I don't care how much the college game evolves, we need to have that post presence on both ends of the courts. And and look, that would make Cleavon's job so much better. And uh, the young man from Rice, uh, what, what is it, uh, Melora Brown, uh, the the, uh, the young man from Rice, uh, we just, we, we need that type of presence. So I really, really hope they get him. And Chris, I have never 
really understood or been nearly in touch with the way the inner workings of the Vanderbilt admission process goes the way that you do. And I am certainly not comparing them to Ron Mercer in that situation. But I mean, how many times does this university have to learn a lesson? Admit this guy. This is not somebody who doesn't do schoolwork, who can't read, who just shoots fast. You either play, you either play in the SEC or you don't. It's one. It's one or the other. You, 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 you either are an SEC team or you're not. There's no other school in this conference he wouldn't be able to get into like that. I would imagine. And if we're if if Candace is, is serious about this, and and this university is serious about this, that they really want us to believe uh, that they are all in. You can't let him go somewhere else. I don't want to see this dude at Georgia because we refuse admittance to a guy that's clearly good enough uh, on the court and in the classroom to get into this school. Don't make this mistake again, Vanderbilt. If you do this, and it's not, look, I'm not going to come and say we're going to you're going to lose your whole fan base. We don't have much of one now, but I mean, you you deny him admission, and you just basically said we're lying to y'all. We you know, we, we, this is how we, this is how we see it. It doesn't matter how you see it. We are not all in on athletics. That's just the perception that I have of it. If they, if they blow this, because it looks like it, I guess, at least surfacely, it looks like that, that Romello White wants to go to Vanderbilt, that he, he wants to be a Commodore. He wants to play for Jerry Stackhouse. Here we go. Show us how serious you really are. I am thinking of how I would rank the roster next year, best to worst. If he's on that team, he is no worse than one of the top three players, and I would lean to saying probably the best player on that roster next year if he gets admitted and indeed signs or enrolls. Yeah, I'd be interested in hearing who your two were uh, (laughs) that were better. Well, it's Scotty Pippen Jr. He's in the discussion. I mean, he played so well as a freshman. I think I would take White. I don't, I mean, I'm just thinking out loud, like trying to give myself an out here. I I haven't put it under a microscope, but I think I would take White. The other one would be DJ Harvey. I just don't know how good he is, but I'm, I'm almost sure that if you put a gun to my head, it's Romello White. I think it's either he or Pippen, and I'm pretty sure I would take him because, for one thing, Pippen really struggled to defend, was not good at all on that end. I think with White, you've got a little bit of rim protection there. So I I think that as I talk through it, he gets the edge. And In fact, the more I think about it, I don't know that it's – well, I won't say it's not close because you factor in some freshman to sophomore improvement with Pippen, you would think. So there's that. But I think right now, knowing what we know, it's Romello White. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. So I guess the question becomes now is, what do you think? I mean, because I think we probably both agree, but I'll let you say uh, that should he gain admittance that this is the likely destination, but what do you think the likelihood is of, of Vanderbilt admitting him? I don't know. I outlined this on the board this morning, and I talked about it a little bit on George Plaster's show. It is a very unique situation because – He's graduating, I think, or has graduated, and so he's not a grad transfer. I mean, getting 
as you've heard me say many times, getting a player into grad school there is darn near impossible. So I think the route they are taking from what we have heard is he is trying to come back for a second bachelor's degree or major or whatever. And so it's weird because you don't usually see that. I don't usually see somebody going in for another degree. Well, at Vanderbilt, they will not let you take more than 60 hours, right? Which is not uncommon. Uh Most schools do that. And the reason they do it is because, let's say if you're Vanderbilt, you go to somewhere else, you know, you come, say, for your last semester, you say, I've got a Vanderbilt degree. I mean, schools do that to protect themselves. So I have no fault with Vanderbilt's policy on that. My question is, okay, he's played three years at Arizona State. He's redshirted another year. So barring something crazy like a Cleavon Brown situation where he gets hurt and he gets a sixth year, although Cleavon only got five, but you see what I'm getting at. He's only going to be in school for one year. So you're not going to finish another degree in that time. I don't know how the school will look at it. If they'll say, well, he's probably only going to be here another year. Uh, With that being said, he's not getting a degree anytime soon, especially with him already having another degree. I mean, the point in getting a degree is having a degree. The point of getting another degree, a lot of times, unless you were just looking for something that's totally different than the first major that's going to be relevant to a degree, uh, to a career, why would you do that? I think the answer in this case is he's trying to do it as a, a means to play basketball. Again, I'm with you. I think you admit him and improves your program as a school. It's no skin off your back. But I don't know how Vanderbilt's going to look at it because it's such a different case, and it's one that I have never encountered in my years of running the site. Wow. Somebody better figure something out because I promise you what is left of the fan base doesn't give a damn. They don't want to hear that because they know that that dude would be admitted to every other school in this conference. And if they do this again, we're not in, I mean, you know what? I can't, I shouldn't speak for everybody else. I know this Vanderbilt fan would feel that way. You know, I, Again, you, you, you're, we're not talking about admitting somebody who's got a 16 on the ACT. I'm not asking you to, uh, to, to do something with your academic integrity. I'm not asking you to compromise that by any stretch of the imagination. That's not what this is. Use your head, admit the guy, and let's go. You made a good point, and you're not the only one that's made it. I think another person or two has mentioned it on the board, but that does put Candace Lee in the spotlight because I'm not saying it's her fault if he doesn't get admitted. I mean, Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt, and God knows if if John Ingram can't pull strings sometimes and who's able to, but I think it does. If he can't get in school, I do think it puts a pretty serious dent and any claim that she would make that she can get stuff done that other people can't. Because this is not even a thing, Chris. It's not even that big a thing, you know, unless you want to make it that way. Uh, let me be you clear. Know. We let don't it. know that it's a thing yet. This is just, you've got to recognize it's a special situation. And, of course, at Vanderbilt, if any school is bound to overthink or do the wrong thing, I mean, it's Vandy. And if it wasn't for that that same exact feeling that I have, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even sweat them about it. I'd, be, I'd sit back and wait to see what happens. But because I have so little faith uh, in that, uh, I mean, I got to see it first. I, I have to see it first, and then, then then I might start to believe. Okay, job, Candace. You know, good, good job administrating. You're starting you're starting to come around. 
nobody's asking you to find bag men and leave buckets of money and, 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 and bring in people that shouldn't be there. That's not what this is. You know, so do, talk to whoever they need to talk to, do whatever you got to do, but make it happen. That's all I can say. Uh, if not, I'm be because you know what the worst part would be, Chris, is to be that close. Know he wants to be there. They deny him. He goes somewhere else. Maybe even in this conference that we even have to play the dude, and he balls out. But here we got we got our righteous, uh, however you want to phrase it. Uh, just well, we 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 stood by our guns. Well, yeah, yeah, you did, and we also won one conference game next year. You have a good point. Because if he doesn't go to Vanderbilt, I would think that Georgia would be at or near the top of the list. Can you imagine that? Can you even imagine? Watch, watch that dude, you know, go to somewhere like Georgia and get 17 and 10, you know, and make all SEC and, and, get, and, and help Georgia on a little bit of a run. And that, would, that would be just about right. But, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to. I'm just going to sit back and wait and see what happens because I, I really, really, uh, I hate being teased. And man, if just the possibility of, of a player of his caliber that I know major programs around the country would love to have, Chris. I mean, who wouldn't want to have Romello Miller, Romello White, Romero Miller, uh, Romello White on their program and their program right now on the floor for them? There, most teams would. Almost anybody could use a guy like that. So I'm going to sit back and hopefully Vanderbilt does the right thing and doesn't screw this up too. Who's your all-mellow team? I got two more that I could put on there. They're pretty obvious. Uh, what's an all-mellow team? Somebody well, with the name Mellow? Lomelo Ball, uh, Carmelo Anthony. So it's got to have Mellow in it. I think so. Can I count? Unless it's just somebody who's just mellow by nature. Uh, Can I count Romero Miller? That was close. So close, maybe say his name. Maybe. I'm counting Romero Miller. Uh, uh, Wasn't there some twins? uh, Lamangelo and Aron? (laughs) I think that's Urban Legend. But there was Mark Limangelo for the Astros in the late 70s. You know who I looked up today? You're going to remember this name because you're, I mean, I mean, I think the dude played about 30 years ago, but for some reason, his name popped up into my head. He never played at Vanderbilt. Uh, you remember H. Waldman? I don't. Oh, played for, played for UNLV. And I think he transferred like to Southern Illinois or St. Louis or something like that. His name is literally the letter H. I vaguely remember. Was, so 30 years ago would have been right, right before. Well, no, that would have been right during peak Tarkanian years. H. Waldman. I H. sure Waldman. do remember him. Yeah, that was H. Waldman. Yeah, look him up. God, that team. <laughs> that team was scary good. The UNLV team that lost to Duke in the national championship, for my money, not anybody else's, but for 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 Seabass's money, uh, that's the best college basketball team I've ever seen, and they didn't even win it all. You might be right, although, man, I was watching the Last Dance, 
and just going through and watching the Carolina Jordan teams. I mean, Jordan and Worthy on the same team, and they had some other guys that could play too. That is not a bunch you want to face either. And of course, you had Patrick Ewing on the other side against Georgetown in one of those matchups. But that man, that was that was so much fun going back and watching that for a minute and just thinking how different college ball was then. I just, I mean, you, you, you could have gotten every dime that I ever made. I'm, I want you, I want you to, I want you to think about this. I mean, you're talking about Anderson Hunt, let Grandmama, Greg Anthony, Stacy Ogman. You know, I mean, that, that team was utterly loaded. Moses Scurry was on that team, wasn't he? Ah, uh, let's. Who was the dude inside that just kind of cleaned up? He was. He was. He wasn't much of an offensive player, but yeah, he was the kind of the garbage guy inside. There was also a guy on that team. uh, Seems like his last name, or maybe it was another one of the team, maybe 91 or something like that. uh, Named Gray. Does that sound right? Was there a gray on that on that team? Yeah, I'm going to look up 1990 UNLV as we're doing this. Man, this is why college basketball was better then. I mean, case closed because we still remember this team. Oh yeah, I mean that 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 was that was still. I mean, I, I think about that team right now, and and how would they hold up right now? I think they'd smoke anybody they play right now. <laughs> Okay, this is the 1990-91 team. Anderson Hunt was on that team. As you mentioned, Larry Johnson. Elmore Spencer, I forgot Elmore Spencer was on that team. He'd been at Georgia. Stacy Augman. George Ackles may be the guy I was thinking about. Ackles, yeah, the big guy. Uh, Greg Anthony. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. I'm pulling it up right now. There it is, Everett Gray. That's it, Everett Gray. Okay, I'm looking at 90-91. I'm going to go to 89-90. Let's see. That team went 35-5. and five. The, the other one, the 90-91 team, lost that one game. Uh, that team, David Butler was on that team. Uh, a lot of the same guys. Scurry was on. Scurry was done in '90, so he was on that team. Ackles was also on that team. Greg Anthony. Oh, I'm looking at the '90 '91 team too. Looky there, H. Waldman was on that team. No kidding. <laughs> yes, he was. I can't believe I just thought about H. Waldman. Well, I think our listeners are probably ready for us to discuss something else. With that, let's go to the mailbag because there's about six questions there. I think they need to calm down with what they need to do. You go ahead. You're probably right. Uh, I have fun with these little rabbit holes. I don't know if the audience enjoys them as much as we enjoy doing them. We'll see. Chris, 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 stop, 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 stop. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. (laughs) Well, there you go. They do. They do, I promise. Good. Uh, let's see. Today's mailbag is sponsored by Vanderbilt Fan and Independent Insurance Agent Josh Minton of Brentwood. If you need home, auto, motorcycle, renters, landlord, life, or commercial insurance, Josh is the guy to call. Contact him at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Facebook at JD Minton HQ. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. I think you'll be pleased. Five Star Door says, assuming they get Romello White from Arizona State, what does he starting five in rotation look like? Mm, 
that's a good one. By the way, I got to say, I, I don't know if that's a new poster, but I love that name. Five, five star door. Ah, well, let's see. Uh, the starting five. Um, this shouldn't be all that difficult, Chris. Uh, do this with me. Clearly, Romello White. Uh, certainly there. Uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. Uh, I think you got to have DJ Harvey starting in that lineup, clearly. Um, who did I say so far? White, Pippen, and, and Harvey? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I think you got to throw. Uh, uh, Cleavon Brown in there. Yep. Uh, now, now, he, now the other one though. That's uh, do we have Evans coming off the bench? You think? I went to or, Sue or, with or, the three and put Evans as the sixth man. Yeah, yeah. Desue is the three, and Evans coming off the bench. Yeah, I ride with that. That's mine too. And then I'll go probably Lawrence as your seventh guy, backing up Pippen. Uh, Moore Brown is your eighth. And probably right as your nine. You know, here's what I would say about that, Chris. It, 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 let's let's just live in a world where that's the roster and that's what's going to happen. I'll just say this: you could do worse with a, with with one, one through nine than that. I mean, that, that's probably not a twenty win team. I don't, I don't know if that it's an, an NCAA team or not, but. But you could certainly do a lot worse than that. If right is your nine, you know, right, right plays hard. Right bangs. Right gets in there, and every and you know, by the way, it may be the not be the most aesthetically aesthetically pleasing offensive skill set, and it at times may look more like something that you see in a pickup game in gym class. But he, but it but it works. It's effective, and I think we need guys like that. If he's our if he's our ninth guy, then I think we're headed in the right direction. Well, we also forgot Educa Bena, and I don't think it's a great roster, but I think where they do have a, a luxury is post depth. They've got four guys who I think can play at some level in the low blocks, and that helps a lot because you have a yeah. lot of fouls to give at that point. You didn't even mention Malora Brown in those in those top first ten. Yeah, I think I said he was my eight or nine. I, I thought I did. Did you? Uh, maybe I said it in my Lawrence head and not to you. Was, <laughs> said that Lawrence was the seven, backing up Pippen. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, Abena, uh, nine. Uh, well, no, he said Jordan Wright. And then Abena, he said he forgot Abena, but you didn't mention Brown. Here's how I look at it, okay? Uh, you've got your starting five, and then your top point guard backup is Lawrence. Your top wing right. backup is Evans, and then your top post backup is probably Quentin Malore Brown. And then you've got Wright and, and Obina also. I mean, you could you could technically thing. you could technically go if you wanted to to put a one, two, three, four, five out there, literally as a second team, you could literally go Lawrence at the or yeah, you go Lawrence at the one. Evans and Wright at the two and three in some order, and Malore Brown probably is the four, and Obina is the five. So you could right. technically have a that. true backup at every position. Yeah, and 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 you know, think about it. Look, this is a team that was was forced to to play multiple walk-ons at the same time in regular in, in conference games last year. To me, that's a step up. Yeah, the question is how many of these guys are more than just guys, right? I think that. 
Yeah. We think Pippen can be something other than just a guy. We think he can be a good point guard. Again, the defense Agreed. needs work. I think that Romello White has already established that. DJ Harvey, again, I want to see what he is. He was a top 50 recruit out of high school and started for Notre Dame, although it was a bad Notre Dame team. But still, he's a fourth-year college player. Melora Brown, I thought, had a solid freshman year. He was at Rice in Conference USA. Big step up in competition. Cleavon Brown has proven he is a good supporting player. I don't know that he's a guy that you want starting in the post, but you might be able to make it work with some of these other guys. And again, you've got for – I don't see – and this has been the issue with them the last two, three, four years. They're having to play some guys 35, 40 minutes a night continually. I mean, you saw it with Saban Lee for two years running – you saw it happening with Darius Garland two years ago, although that was a little bit of a different situation. And I think Neesmith was headed towards that too. In fact, you saw it some. Now, depending on what kind of point guard Tyron Lawrence is, and he's more of a combo, but he played point a good bit in high school, and I think that was his primary position. Maybe for a change, your leading minutes guy is going to go 28-29 a night, which is something they've not had in a few years. Right. And, you know, something else that we didn't even mention, of course, there's, I mean, who knows? I mean, you know more, a lot more about it than I do. I didn't even mention uh, Isaac McBride, unless I'm going crazy and you did and I didn't hear it. No, McBride is the same thing. I don't know that he's been admitted to school yet. If he has, I don't think he plays next year. I think because of the, the sitting out the transfer year. Although, if they do the immediate okay. one-time exemption, that could override that. So... But either for way, some, you've got for some reason, Well, the point I'm making is you've got your you've got your backups covered. Again, how good these guys are, I don't know, but for once you can sort of say, hey, they've got two entire lineups they can go conceivably from the one to five with him or without him. Right. Yeah. And of course I don't know why for some reason I keep equating Isaac McBride with being eligible in December or after December or whatever. Um, and that's probably not right, but I, for some reason I keep equating him with that. But, uh, you know, if, if, if they were able to get that exemption or whatever the case may be, I mean, Hey, there's even more point guard depth. Yeah. I mean, he's just a huge wild card for reasons I've gone over again yeah, and again. No doubt. So no doubt, but, 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 it, but he's still a possibility. So that's, uh, that's why I throw it out there. Right. Next one, let's see. I think okay. Let me. We'll stick with basketball. This also from Five Star Door. Who on the men's team can be a good shooter to help space the floor? I will preface your answer by saying, to me, that is this team's biggest problem. Because I'm not sure it has one. I think Desue is the best candidate. I'm sorry, I spoke before you answered, but. It, it jumped off the page because I think, to me, when I look at this team, that is the biggest question mark I have is do they have one? Yeah. Uh, I mean, because we'll also be counting on some guys potentially uh, that were not a part of this roster last year, at least an active roster. Like, like I think DJ Harvey's supposed to be a pretty decent three-point shooter, right? I don't think he's any better than what they had. I think that was the issue with him coming from Notre Dame. Is I, That's why I wasn't as crazy about him as a lot of other people were because I just didn't think 
His shooting efficiency numbers were very good, and I'll give you the floor to talk. I'm going to look those up just to to see if I can back that comment up or not. Well, yeah, I, I, I guess as you look over that roster, you're looking for somebody uh, because I agree about Desue. I mean, yeah, I, I think about the games in Kentucky. I mean, he has a, 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 a nice stroke from the outside, and a guy his size and a guy with his length is not going to be overly bought, bothered by a guy in his face. Uh, on the perimeter. He's not going to be locked down by some six, nine defender uh, who's all up in his grill. So he, you know, with elevation on that jumper, he, you know, if he can get some consistency by it, I think that he's one uh, that, that could possibly be that. But as far as that roster and looking at it and saying, uh, is there a dead eye shooter on it? Is there a guy that can get hot and uh, that you can count on? No, I don't, I, I don't see that, you know, I, I don't say look, and I think that I think that Scotty, you know, he does a great job. He he's so slippery and he moves and you know gets people up off their feet. Uh, but from an outside shooting perspective, I mean, I just I as a, if I were an opposing coach, there's nobody on that roster in my mind uh, that, that that terrifies me to say got to have a hand in this guy's face or he's going to beat us to death all night. I don't know if that guy's on the roster. Okay. At Notre Dame, my memory was correct, Harvey shot 39% from the field as a freshman, also 39% as a sophomore, right on the dot both those years. He was a 33.3% shooter as a freshman, a 29.9% shooter as a sophomore. Of course, he gets the year to develop his shot, but also the line is further back from where it was when he played. So that's the skinny on him. That's why... That's why I'm really hesitant to think that they have a a knockdown shooter that they can count on. I just have some doubts about that. One other thing, I don't think this team is going to run the floor very well. I have some concerns about that. I think Pippen can get out on the break, but I don't think this is a super athletic. I mean, White White can, Brown can a little bit, but I, I don't I don't know that when you start stacking these guys up to the SEC. I think it's going to lag the field in that regard. But I'll tell you what it will have. It's got some big-bodied kids. Again, with the depth they've got and the ability to foul, they might be able to ugly the game up a little bit up um, and maybe wear some guys down physically. That's that's thinking out loud and speculating, but I look at this roster and that's how I see it a bit. I, I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm riding with you on that. Harvey's kind of a big-bodied kid, and Wright is too. I think both those kids could probably stand to drop 10 or 15 pounds. Well, I'm not going to tell them they need to. (laughs) I'd be the last one, but yeah, I mean, you know, just or, you know, redistribute it a little bit, but yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. Well, that's where losing saving Lee also hurts. Yeah, uh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, Because they don't have, like, okay, Harvey averaged 0.6 steals a game. Pippen's not a really good defender. I'm looking at this now. I'm thinking backcourt defense is going to be an issue too. But can't we say that Pippen wasn't a good defender for a true freshman? I mean, can't that, I mean, can't, because let me ask you this, the defender that you saw at the very beginning, as opposed to the end, he was, a, he looked to me like he was a, a little, a little scrappier defensively. I mean, a lot of times he was physically pushed around. I thought at the beginning of the season, I didn't think it happened quite as much in the end. 
Probably not. And I'm talking a little bit out of both sides of my mouth here because, man, every time I would watch him try to defend the ball, it just was bad. But I also watch college basketball, and I wonder a lot of times who can defend the dribble anymore. Well, that's fair. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think we're quite headed to where the NBA is in, in, in those regards. Cause I think that I think, look, I, I think there are still plenty of coaches out there that put a premium on that, 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 that they, that they demand that. And like I told you, look at the final four from the year before, you know, three of those teams were super defensive teams. You know, did, 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 did Virginia get there based on their offense? course not you know you know they they there are there is still a place for chin checking defense in in college basketball may not be in the on the, on the level with the nba they 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 sold out as far as that goes there's not a team in the nba you know there's not a team in the nba that doesn't average 100 points a game matter of fact i think the the lowest scoring team in the nba averaged like 103 points a game you know, but in college, it, it, even though it seems to be on the decline, and I agree with that, there's still a place for for tough defense in college basketball. I guarantee that. What little I watch of the NBA, it almost looks like it's a show for style points more than it is anything else. It is what it is. Chris, like, that's exactly what like it look is. at how big and athletic we are and how easy we move. But I don't see that anybody. Now, I know it changes in the playoffs, but when I watch regular season, it just doesn't seem like anybody's that interested in just really getting in somebody else's grill. Yeah, I'm going to pull that up here in, in, in just a second and, and, and look at those stats because, uh, I mean, it's it, it's amazing. Again, there's not a single – here you go. I've got them right in front of me right now. The – The the lowest scoring team in the East averages 102.9 points per game. That's the Charlotte Hornets. The lowest scoring team in the West uh, averages 106.3. That's Golden State. But the best defensive team in the NBA in, in, in regards to points surrendered per game, uh, according to this, let's see, in the West, it's the Lakers who give up a sparse 106.9 points a game. <laughs> and in the, and in the, uh, let's see. And, team in the NBA. It's the Toronto Raptors at 106.5 points a game. You know that what? atrocious. I don't, I don't have any time to watch pro ball. I mean, my life with just this beat and my kids and my wife working, I really don't have a lot of, oh. a lot of downtime to watch sports other than what I've involved in covering and what I do goes to baseball. But I'll say this, if I did, I think I would much rather watch this product than I would what the game turned into after the Knicks and those teams just really ruined it and made it so physical where they just beat you down and you couldn't call everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, that to me, that's when I tuned the NBA out and I never really came back because I was used to that free-flowing style in the 80s with Magic. and, and Bur- I mean, for some reason, I guess they didn't defend really well then. In a lot of ways, I, I wasn't, but I wasn't bothered by it then either. I guess it's what you're used to. 
Well, we had real actual centers back then. We well, yes, that too. Back. The game is the game is much. It, seeing a back to the basket post now, I mean, going back and watching it then and seeing that it's just really, it's really weird to watch if you know what I mean. Now you got to now when you're scouting your centers, you got to take into account how well they shoot the three point shot. I know. You know? I mean, <laughs> it used to be you would you would shoot your center on sight if he shot a three. Yeah, so I just, I mean, now I love my Grizz, and I, I like watching their style of basketball, but it's, uh, uh, the, I just feel that it's as, as, as different as college basketball is from what it used to be. When I look at what the NBA is right now, I don't think that college basketball is anything like that. I, I know plenty of teams that will check your chin, keeping you from getting to the rim. And I love that. That still exists. We need that. It's part of basketball. I have no interest in community center pickup basketball games that, you know, when I score 136 in regulation and I lose, that's a problem. Yeah, that's I, a problem. I think that's one reason I prefer the college game. They have not lost an interest in defense. Now, as you heard me, I thought that college basketball eight, ten years ago was just almost unwatchable. And I think the rule changes over the last two to three years in particular, it is so much more an enjoyable product to watch. So this year just was not a great year to watch because you just didn't have that many great players. But the product itself and the way that the games play, I just it was so hard to watch a game for many years because of the the excessive fouling and the no calls and the games in the fifties and sometimes the forties now it's a lot more fun to watch to me. Yeah, yep, I, I agree. I just wish it was more fun for us to watch it. The next question, and we are going to shift to football here. I like football. In light of the shutdown, is it even possible for the new offensive and defensive coordinators to effectively install new schemes? That one from Five Star Door. Well, I mean, I, I think from a – Schematic standpoint, yeah, but I mean, look, you got to have the reps. You got, you cannot pop. You, there's no way to adequately replace live reps. There's just not. So, you know, I mean, they're they're. But the good news is, is they're not the only ones. There's there, there's other new coordinators all over the place. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I that's a great question, and I think the answer is got to be no, at, at least for right, at least for right now. You know, I mean, look, I have high hopes because I think we upgraded at coordinator on both sides of the football. So I'm excited about that. But the implementation of it all the, with the way, with what's happened no, I mean, I, I recognize that they're, they're up against it. You know, they're, they're backs against the wall on this, which means that when they do get there, uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, no, no time to waste. I mean, they got to get in there and, and, and get that done, especially those quarterbacks, you know, and because remember, uh, you, you know, guys like Seals, you know, and guys like uh, who was the other? Musa was the other one. One and then some in spring practice, right? Yes. They were just getting started. You know, they were they were just getting started. You've got three, four quarterbacks who were brand new to this team. All four of the quarterbacks on this football team did not play on this football team last year, and you're having to implement a, a new offense offense 
five that were on the roster, you know, that played that position uh, that they can draw experience from. Say, well, this is what we do, and then you know, in this situation, from a uh, from a player standpoint, how how they are. So not only do they have to learn the the, the scheme, they got to learn the players themselves, what the coaches are looking for. Uh, I don't think it's going to be harder on anybody than it is the quarterbacks. You know, so uh, yeah, I, I think the coordinator's job is going to be very difficult. What about you? I haven't really given this a ton of thought until now, and I think this is a great question. This is why. This is where this leads me to think. Let's say that you're looking at a bunch of teams in the SEC that that are kind of even, or pick a league. It doesn't have to be the SEC, or even if this is top 25 rankings. And if you've got a bunch of teams in the middle of a pack together, if you can find the teams that aren't breaking in new coordinators, new quarterbacks, or a lot of new players – do those teams start to separate a little bit more than normal just because of the circumstances? I mean, and you had teams that never went to spring practice at all. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's true. Uh, I, I think that's a fair observation and assessment. Yeah, yeah, probably so. And then I think you got you know, teams in the middle. I think Vanderbilt's closer to the danger side because it had two new coordinators and a new quarterback but at least they had some practices to get used to things. Although, if you look at Vandy, Ted Roof had a medical thing, and he, I think, made one practice, maybe two. So even there with that, even as little as they had him, or they would have had him, they had him even less because of that. So the more I think about it, it's even worse for Vanderbilt because it is breaking in an entirely new roster of quarterbacks and both new coordinators. Now, defense... You do have all those guys returning, which helps, but it's a new scheme. Yeah, if they're being asked to do something completely different, then, I mean, on-field experience is great, but learning a brand-new system, you know, you don't just you – know, you can't just hand them a playbook and say, go learn this. I mean, they have, they have to get the reps, you know. So uh, I think initially – it, it may be difficult, but I wouldn't be surprised, to, uh, especially if they, if if one of these guys, you know, and I don't know who it's going to be. I don't, Chris. I, I'll admit that. I mean, I have some thoughts about it, but if one of these guys is able to figure it out at the quarterback position, I think there's, a, I think there's, you know, and, every, and everything's relative. I get it. We're in the SEC. I understand that. But I think there's pieces to this team that they can start to build on. I'm not saying this is a bowl team or not. I, I don't think it is. I, I'm 100% sure of that. But I, I could definitely see this team progressively getting better as the season goes on. Does that turn into wins? I don't know. Uh, but I could see them from an execution standpoint getting better. Here's another thing I had not considered till now. You know, my whole thing on the quarterback job was I thought that Seals had done a really good job of handling his spring and what I had seen. I thought he looked comfortable in the offense. He looked through his body language and the way he threw the ball like he was in charge out there. And again, that's different when you have blitzing defenders and play other teams, but you can only go by what you're asked to do. And I thought with what he was asked to do, I thought he did a good job with it it also doesn't give him a lot of time to separate. In other words, if, if you're out there for three more weeks, I thought he was going to keep cementing that job and cementing it and cementing it. That's also reps that he loses out on. So we haven't seen Mike Wright play yet. I wonder if that does level the playing field for that 
situation. I have no answer to that question at all. I don't know how I begin to answer it, but that one pops up as we have this discussion too. You know, and I'm about to tell you something, man. The more, you know, Mike Wright, man. Mike, Mike Wright, Chris, Mike Wright just looks, it seems to me like he has a skill set that I'm trying to think uh, uh, of some of the players that we have signed over the past decade and change at the quarterback position from a stuff standpoint, especially today's game. I don't know that we've signed anybody like him before, Chris. You know, no, I don't. I mean, mean, you would have to go back to maybe Eric Jones. Man, I love Derek Jones. Man, if, if if he he turned out to be like Eric Jones, I'd rub your feet for the next two months. Uh, quarterbacks in the history of Vanderbilt. Um, I used to love watching him, Jones, to Boo Mitchell. And that was my probably one of my fa- that may be my favorite connection of all time uh, watching Vanderbilt football. But uh, he just—I I mean, that dude—he is so fast, and when you watch him run. It just looks so effortless. If he can display some accuracy, I mean, and think about and think about this. I mean, as much as I like him, I don't even know if he's our best freshman quarterback. That's a good thing. That's a very, very good thing. And it seems like, I mean, uh, look, I know we all saw that thing about the Zoom and all this other stuff, that Zoom meeting or whatever, and talking about how. Uh, they wanted to what was increase it up to like what they say, Chris, like eighty plays a game. I don't see that happening or anything like that. But especially if the defense uh, doesn't take a drastic step forward, you can you don't have the ball enough to have that many plays. But to to increase the play the the amount of overall plays uh, that they're going to have. Uh, as opposed to last year, a lot of things would have to happen. A playbook would have to open wide, way up. Um, but that would bring a lot of opportunity. And I'm just going to tell you, man, uh, even though they're young and they haven't done it yet, I, the quarterbacks that we've brought in, and you can't even leave out a guy like Danny Clark, Chris. You, you can't. Danny Clark's got a monster arm. I mean, a monster arm. You know, one of the strongest arms I've seen. And you know, I mean, what it sounds like, what I'd love to have, Chris, is a quarterback that we can roll all those guys into one, uh, Musa too, uh, roll them into one. Uh, but I'll be interested to see which one of those players' style uh, fits this new offense the most. Yeah, I mean, again, from what I saw, and I don't know how much of this is they tailored it to Ken Seals because they had two quarterbacks on the roster, but – it looked to me like it was a really good match between what he could do and what they were asking him to do. Okay, so take that same offensive set, the set, the sets that you saw, and put Mike right there. What do you think? Well, you've got a lot more mobility there. Not that Seals is slow by any stretch, but Mike Wright's a, you know, a state class sprinter, I believe. So that's a different right. ball yeah. game. Yeah. And and you know me, I always love that type quarterback because I think the impact of that guy transcends the stats basically through third down conversions and keeping the clock alive. Like you remember Josh Jobs at Tennessee 
and just what a nightmare he was on third down. That's why I always think, when in doubt, if I have a choice between those two type of players, that's the one I'm going to lean to. But again, I was pretty impressed with what Seals showed me. You should be. I, I, I look. I, I, I was pretty confident about Seals' ability coming onto campus, and and you got to see directly. I mean, as a true freshman, uh, early enrollee, uh, that the material is, is certainly there. But both of those guys. But from a, uh, yeah. Look, no doubt. When the play breaks down, I would say Wright's the guy. Um, and you know, as, as, as having the mobility, and, and again, you mentioned that Seals is nobody's pocket passer. He's whatever you need him to be. Is he a sprinter like right? No, but he's got plenty of mobility. Um, but I think having those the, the type of mobility, I think, is extremely important, especially for a team who, right now, at this point, there's not a whole lot of answers on that offensive line. You know, there's way more question marks than anything else. And if that's going to be the case, we're going to need somebody that if it breaks down, the, the, the defense, at least every on the snap, knows that, man, we, we can come get there, but if we don't get home, he's going to burn the crap out of us. You know, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Kyle Shermer, love him. But if he, you know, if he needed a couple yards to get there, I don't know that he'd get it. You know, he was excellent football player for us, but he's a completely different type of quarterback. And if we have protection issues, we need somebody who can do something with it and keep that in the mind of the defense at all times. Yeah, we can do this, but you overcommit Mike Wright's going 65 yards. And speaking of Kyle Shermer and Arbador asks, what do you each think the odds are that Kyle Shermer lands on an NFL roster after being released from the chiefs? I, I, Chris, I, I, just, I would love to give you a good answer, but I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I think one, it absolutely would depend uh, on the on the right fit. You know, Kansas City was not going to be the place. I mean, he, you know, he, I suppose he could make a roster, but you know, he was never playing clearly. Um, I don't know, Chris. I mean, look, the position that position has changed. It just has. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, I, there. Look, there is definitely still a place in this league for the for the pocket quarterback. There's no doubt that there's still plenty of them in this league, and you can still win with quarterbacks that that do that. Uh, but you know, I've always thought that Kyle was good enough. And look, I remember his combine. He 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 showed well. You know, he's he's an accurate quarterback. I'll say this: I I, I can definitely see him on somebody's practice squad. You know, because another thing you got to remember is now uh, fewer teams carry three quarterbacks on their active roster these days. You know, so I, I yeah, I mean, I suppose he could, and and that might be me wanting him to. I don't know. Uh, it, does he have the ability to? Yes, Willie. I'm not sure. I'm thinking about my own team and how I would feel uh, if if they signed him. Um, what I would say about that is I'd be happy for him and, and happy for a Vanderbilt guy, but I mean, it, it wouldn't really move the needle for me, no. I would probably feel better about it It was if it weren't for the timing of his release because he spent the whole last year with them, right? So they've already got some yeah. things invested. To, to do that before they even get to minicamp or anything, to me is, 
I'm not going to say alarming. Now, here's how I can maybe rationalize a little bit. I don't know what their plan is at the quarterback position, but if there's a team that needs to develop a young quarterback, I can't think of a team that's got less of a need that than the Chiefs. I mean, they may want to just say, I mean, I'm thinking if you're them, you want to sign a journeyman backup because that way if Mahomes goes down, you've got somebody who's taking snaps and can learn things. So the Chiefs may be the type of team that has the least need for a Kyle Shermer too. And so I think you've got to weigh that against the timing. And oh, by the way, we're having a Lee children meltdown that has spilled over into my home office here. So if you hear something, that's what's happening. I think that the, uh, this this is going to be really bad. Don't judge me, but you know, I, I am in charge of homeschool here two to three days a week. Uh, and there are inevitably issues with getting the kids where they need to be when they need to be on time. (laughs) And, um, Yeah, it's it's. I guess it's nice to know I'm not the only one who struggles with these things. Hey, man. Hey, w- welcome to the, the Magic of a Live podcast, my friend. That's right. Uh, there'd probably be a few more I of these. Can't. If it helps, I don't do a thing in the world. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, I'm used to, you Teddy know, Bear? you drop the kids off at. Yeah, I do. Yeah, exactly. Bella's just made an appearance. You drop the kids off at you know, 730 for school <laughs> and you get them back about four. <laughs> Bella is in the house. Bella is definitely in the house. Um, Bella's a gangster. She has no requested question. to make an appearance on the podcast before, but she has dictated that that will um, be an entirely a discussion of unicorns and rainbows, and I didn't think our audience might buy that. Well, that's what I was hoping to talk about today, to be honest with you, but we ended up talking about Vanderbilt. But you two could probably have a conversation about that. <laughs> Don't think we couldn't <laughs> believe, believe me, it wouldn't be over my head and it certainly wouldn't be over hers. What else you got in that mailbag, fat boy? Two more. This one also right. from five star door. Do you think that Derek Mason, and his staff have done a good job of connecting with Vanderbilt alums in the NFL, both past and present? With, 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 no, so, so let me, I'm going to make sure I hear the question right. One more time, please. He wants to know if we think Derek Mason has done a good enough job of connecting with Vanderbilt players who were in the NFL, both now and in the past. So just former players. Right. Uh, Well, he said former ones in the NFL. I think there might be a difference in how that question is answered between just former players and former players who've made the league. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got – one on his staff right now. I mean, I like, well, you know, especially on the recruiting side of things, uh, you know, Chris, I, 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 I'm not really qualified to answer that question. I don't know. I mean, I, if he's reached out to him, I, look, I don't see him at, at games all the time or, or anything like that. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask. Chris would definitely be much better at answering that question. I don't know. Yeah. We addressed that back on the podcast that I did with Luke Wyatt. And I've heard some former players comment that they would appreciate more access than they've gotten. Um, What I've heard, and this was from Luke, that they treat the guys that have played in the league a little differently than they do just the old alums who want to come back. So I've never given it much thought outside this question and outside of him saying that. The other part comes, uh, for me, how important is that in your mind? 
think when you're Vanderbilt, you need all the help you can get. Agreed. Uh, I, I mean, but just the concept itself, not just Vanderbilt. I mean, because I mean, I remember, I remember when Miami was just like that was they were famous for it. You know, um, that's the t- whenever I hear that subject brought up, I always think about the Hurricanes. Uh, I, I don't know if they have, but but what I would say is I think Chris hit the nail on the head with if we, we we can use all the help that we can possibly get, you know, but I, I think, because think about, let me, let me say this to you. Uh, one thing that we heard, especially on social media, um, when there were, you know, not so long ago when there was a whole lot of shakeup going on when, uh, you, you know, back and forth in the media, a lot of the players, a lot of the former players were speaking out on Twitter and they weren't surprised by some of the stuff that they were seeing, you know, and they're saying, look, this is what happened when we were there too. And all this other stuff. I, I do believe that it is important, not just for Derek Mason, but for, for that school period uh, to reach out to those cats and, and, and help so, to, to rectify that situation or to, you know, to, to re solidify that uh, relationship because only positive things can come out of that, Chris, don't you think? I mean, if they're, they'll beat the drum loud louder than anybody. And how great is it to see, you know, I mean, look at these young cats. If they see all these cats that either were in the NFL or played at the SEC high level, getting out there, showing their pride, wearing their colors, you know, I mean, how cool, how cool is it? And how, and how excited it is that we always feel about whenever we see like a Jay Cutler or a David Price or somebody like that, or Dan's being there wearing their Vanderbilt stuff, like in a, pro, a post-game stuff, you know what I mean? And they got a Vanderbilt hat on, or they got the Vanderbilt jersey on, or something like that. Invariably, somebody's going to talk about it on the board because it's it's a source of pride for us. We need we need more of those former players, professional and just regular uh, people, regular players uh, that didn't go on to play professionally. Uh, you know, to have that presence out there. And do we have that on a high level? No. Now we don't have a ton of people in professional sports. I think clearly baseball and football are our, our best hopes there. Um, do we even have anybody in the NBA right now? I'm trying to think. We probably do, and I'm not thinking about it. Uh, do we have Luke anybody Cornette. in the NBA? Luke Cornett, yes. Excuse me. Good grief, of course. We've got Luke Cornett. Um, other than that, I don't think we have anybody, but I always like seeing them uh, represent their stuff, and I'd like to see more of it. When things come up with – what can Vanderbilt do better? Where is it that I always go? In terms of example. Tim Corbin. Bingo. And I don't know how much, well, I, I think you know this, obviously, but you're not around it to see it like I do. Like, if you go over in, in the winter, you're going to bump into former players. He's got that locker room for former players. You've got major league players that come and spend time there. It just they built this community that people want to be a part of. They've got minor leaguers that played at other schools. You know, like I said, the locker room for alums and all that stuff. Tim is the model for building that kind of culture. It's there's a magnetism to it. Now it also helps that they win like nobody else. And it's it's not even apples and oranges right now. But the point I'm making is if they ever get that program on solid footing again, I think you tap into the culture that he's created and you try to replicate it as best as he did, along with everything else that he does.
Yeah. Because <laughs> get it more, more than him. He just gets it. I mean, just the, for all the stuff that we've had going on the last couple of years, like, well, basically seems like forever, but uh, athletically, we not only have the best coach in the country in their particular sport, we have the best coach in the country in their particular sport by a long way who loves his school, you know, who is entrenched in that program. I mean, think about it, Chris. He convinces people, he convinces players who are first round picks to tie past that and come play for him for three years. Man, there is no way I would do that without some kind of really, unless he you was know, coming over an injury or something like that, unless there was something really special going on or there was somebody who could, re- I mean, think about having to sell that, you know, to somebody who could go in the top 20 uh, of, of the entire major league baseball draft and convincing them to bypass that, not only bypass it, but for three years when anything could happen, you can get injured and blow your arm out and never play again and bypass all of that. But he's so good at what he does. He's convinced them to do, to do that. And by the way, it's, he's no charlatan. He's right. And it's worked. That's how good he is at what he does. Last question. This is a good one. This is off of Vanderbilt, but he says, both of you, if you have time to talk about this, any thoughts, memories, connections, or stories you may have of a true sports legend, both on and off the field, uh, given, and he's actually, I, I didn't read the question very well, but he's basically asking us to talk about Don Shula on all those things uh, since he passed away this week. Uh, I, I don't, I don't really have anything as far as that, other than just to say that I, I you know, you know, I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan, have been my whole life. Uh, he he took my boys to the Super Bowl. Um, I, he was always a gentleman of the game to me. He helped change the face of football. Uh, I had the utmost respect for him. Uh, that's all I really have on that, as far as Don Shula goes. What about you? Do you know who my favorite team was before we got the Titans? Uh, if if you're a good human, it would be the Colts. Well, I'm not a good human. It was the Dolphins. Wow, you're pure trash in my mind. Except for <laughs> except because except for because because of Coach Shula, I'll let that ride this time. This may change our relationship. Well, it's going to have to, man. You think you know a guy, and then you operate under. Look, it's it's I, I under I understood. Why you love the Titans there in your backyard. I, I got all that, but I never knew. You dastardly dog. I just assumed that you were a Colts fan your whole life until they came to town. I assumed everybody was. I and had bounced now. around with my loyalties as a kid, like elementary school. And then when the Dolphins drafted Marino, I just loved their style of play and fell in love with that team. So I made them my team. And, and they were for... I don't know, a dozen years? I was pretty hardcore, but they never really won much. Oh. They went to a Super Bowl one year because of Marino, but they never had they never had a running game. They always had just mediocre defenses, and so they were just seemed like they were perpetually eight and eight, nine and seven. It wasn't a very outside of Dan Marino, it was not a very exciting fan existence. 
This explains so much, Chris. You know, I, I never, I, I never, I was never going to bring this up, but I remember about 14 years ago, uh, Chris and I, we were in the in the press box at Vanderbilt, and uh, we, we were eating some Chick Fil A, I think it was, and I dropped one of my nuggets on the floor, and I was going to bend over to get it, and Chris got it for me, and he bent over to grab it instead, and his shirt raised up and and exposed a lower back tattoo of a dolphin. I had no idea that that's what that was about, Chris. I just thought you liked dolphins. Thought you were trying, you know, I thought it was your rebellious phase. I had no idea it was because you were a dolphin fan. What's disturbing about this is I had no idea I ever had a tattoo. <laughs> I've got to, uh, of course, I made I may have to rewind a lot of my past. <laughs> <laughs> Start now, asking I, some I, questions here. I want to say one thing before we get out of that. Get out of here because I got to get ready to do my my show. Um, I don't know if we've had a chance to yak uh, much about uh, the Colts and the Titans since the draft uh, a little over a week ago. Uh, but given the offseason, and now things could still change. I mean, you could still sign a clowny. We could. Who knows? But I think for the most part, I think you know who the Titans are for 2021, 2020-21, uh, and same thing for Indianapolis. Uh, I think it's clearly one of those two teams in the South. I, I think the Jags are nowhere, and and the Texans will see. Taking your fandom out of it, and I'll take mine out of it as well. Who are you picking to win the South? I think I still like the Titans, but I will be honest, I'm not as dug in on the Colts as you are. I mean, you you do a daily talk show every day, and the draft was part of your job and responsibility so you dug on it a little bit more than I did I just know where they left off right I love yeah. the way that offense ran under Tannehill I think that they've got a couple more years of prime Derrick Henry I think they've got some weapons in Brown and John Smith and, and maybe Corey Davis I think they've got enough of a supporting cast the question at tackle is going to be a big deal I like the defense um they might still need to do some things there, but between that and my last glimpse at Phillip Rivers, I think I'm still Titans. Now, maybe if you gave me enough reasons, I could come off that, but I think that's where I am. What I think about this team right here is I, I, what it'll be real interesting is I, I could see both of these teams emulating each other a lot offensively. That's what I mean by that. I mean, look, there's no doubt what the Titans' bread and butter is. The Titans are not a team that are going to throw for 5,000 yards and try to, you know, get into a track meet with you. They want to beat you. They're a big physical team that wants to just hurt you and lean on you in the second half and just run and run and run and run. You know, they'll miss Jack Conklin. I like Dennis Kelly. I think, he, you know, the question is, does he start initially or does Simmons get the job? Uh, excuse me, Isaiah Wilson get the job right away? Uh, He's a big dude. Uh, there, there's no doubt. They're physical. I, I, I like them. Uh, I, off, but you got to remember, Indy, I think Indy has the best offensive line in the NFL. Uh, adding Jonathan Taylor to Marlon Mack and bringing in Roosevelt Knicks, uh, it, it, it's clear. They want to beat people up. They saw what Tennessee did in the playoffs, and I think 
here in the second round. And I think that's certainly going to work. But bringing in DeForest Buckner, I think that – you know what that is? I think a trading for a guy like DeForest Buckner is a message to the Titans. We are going to stop Derrick Henry. And the best way to do that is to allow Darius Leonard to be able to have all the mobility in the world. And how does he do that? By having a completely dominant. That's what DeForest Buckner is. I think these two teams are in for, I think they are going to throw down like they have never thrown down. I am so excited to watch these two battle uh, this year. I think these are two of the better teams in the NFL. I think they are both, even though Tennessee went to the AFC championship last their arrows pointed up and i i think we are in for a a year of battles of, of two regular season games that are going to be absolute wars on that football field man i really believe that the thing about indy is it's such a well-run organization like you think of yep. you think of organizations that they might be down they might miss the playoffs but they're never down for long of course the patriots are on their own plateau or their own plateau, but you think of like the Steelers, the Packers, of teams that like they might not make the playoffs every year, but they're never picking third or fourth either, or rarely. And Colts are kind of in that range to where they're well run enough that they're almost always a factor. What I would say to you is this. Uh, First of all, you're 100% right about that. But here's what I would say uh, about Indianapolis. Chris Ballard, who I I think is is – you're just going to have a hard time finding a better GM. Uh, I love Robinson. I love Lynch. I mean, I I think those are the class of uh, GMs uh, that are – I mean, of the list. Um, not been willing to do and I understood why because he has been Hades bent on building this team through the draft and, and making it homegrown uh, but he wanted to make sure that he had the locker room right he's got five players on his team from when he took over three years ago that's it he's overturned this whole roster with his people and he wanted to make sure that he had the type of locker room and that he had a team ready that could have could absorb the big name free agents or the big trade pieces or something like that. You would never have seen him make a move like DeForest Buckner before to before this season. He felt that roster was ready. He's right. They said that they were going to build through the trenches. You got DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard on one side of the ball, and you've got guys like Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly on the other side. You know, and you bring in a Jonathan Taylor. I'm just telling you right now. I'm looking at the. I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor trying to run in, run it at Jeffrey Simmons, and or I'm looking at maybe Simmons and and, and Nelson uh, battling. You know, at the point of attack on a couple of plays if they find themselves lined up against each other. Uh, I look at Vic Beasley. You know, can Vic Beasley get back to what he was in 2000? What was it, Chris? 16 or 15? Which when he led the NFL uh, in sacks, maybe it's. The 16, maybe a change of scenery is exactly what he needs, you know, and I could see him going up against Costanzo or Braden Smith off the edge. Uh, I mean, it's just, uh, look, these two teams are poised. I'm going to tell you this. Both of these teams will make the playoffs. Clearly one of them is going to win the division. One of the, uh, the team that does not win that division is making the playoffs. They are. 
because there are just simply not enough teams better than better than those two. There's not the only two teams that I can tell you uh, on paper uh, that I might favor, even though Tennessee pimp slapped Baltimore in the playoffs on paper wise, because I think Baltimore got excessively better in the offseason, too, uh, is Kansas City and Baltimore. There are no other AFC teams that I put above uh, Tennessee and Indy. None. Well, if it plays out like you think, it's going to be a fun season. It's been a fun podcast, too. I think we've got another uh, another kitty meltdown <laughs> that is spilled oh. over. <laughs> and so with that, I think I'm well, going to run because I think the, the clock is, is winding down on my sanity here. Uh, but tell folks about your show, where they can find it, where they can find you on Twitter. Well, Chris, don't worry. That clock stopped years ago for you, brother. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Cheap Seats Bass. You can find my show on 101.5 FM in Jackson, Tennessee, from 6 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. Hey, thank you, sir. You know what? Thank you, my friend. I can't wait to do it next week. It's always fun. He is Seabass. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast.